Downtown Eau Claire is the place to experience amazing restaurants, entertainment of all sorts, and unique local shops to find your new favorite thing. The Downtown Eau Claire Fall Festival is coming up on Saturday, September 16th, featuring more than 100 vendors, exciting family activities, and a 3 o'clock performance by the thrilling Blue Gold Marching Band. It all takes place on South Barstow Street. Learn more about this and other exciting upcoming events at downtowneauclair.org. Steve, I brought two different kinds of apple fritters. Oh, boy. Are you so excited? I know. Well, okay, so here's the deal. I almost stopped at Quick Trip to get their, like, French toast one, blueberry, cherry. Like, they have a whole fritter line, right? But I went to Dick's, which is a a whole fritter line. They do. They have a whole line of fritters. It's kind of like the thing on the podcast. Apple fritters are my favorite. Okay. Steve does not think apple fritters are a donut. Okay. So I might have to agree with him on that. <gasps> fritter fritter feels like it's a whole different category of fried oh deliciousness. But I'm not sure if it qualifies as a donut. I don't, I, yes. I don't know, Cooper. I don't know. No, I'm a foodie, so I'm like, is that the right category for fritters? I, I love fritters. Don't get me wrong. Oh my! I don't know. Work with me on this. Doesn't well, it feel like there's like a gourmet, I mean, like a fritter's a gourmet version of it? Okay, I like that. Okay, there we go. Yes. Just working. You're you're making it it Okay, you're making it better now. (laughs) All right. Yeah, she totally played the line. She just had to come back to the first side. had to come back to the first. To think I called you Taylor Swift. Never again. (laughs) Never again. Done with that. You know what I discovered, though, is that it's hard to eat donuts while you're podcasting. Yeah, it is. The fact that we call this money donuts, it doesn't really lend itself to be eating donuts while we're talking. Yeah, it's true. But I think that talking about donuts is a really perfect segue to introduce the wonderful guest we have today. We have Gigi Highland here. She's from the National Credit Union Foundation. She is what I like to call the Taylor Swift of credit unions. So that's going to be your famous oh line now. I know. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Cooper. I think. <laughs> I think. I, I say it with admiration. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> So we have um, her joining us today, and we're going to talk a little bit about the foundation, financial wellness, a little bit about Gigi's journey. But we ask all of the guests to come up with a donut that best describes the podcast episode. So did you think of a donut? I did. Well, we just had a very deep conversation of whether fritters are actually donuts or not. So, But I'm not going to re- recreate that here. But um, I think I will pick actually a bird seed donut. Oh. And I will do that. It feels like that is the right one. And it's um, certainly a seed represents lots of different things. So you think about birds um, getting a little seed and going back to their nest and feeding their young, but also the concept of a seed being planted and what it can grow. So it feels like the right um, donut for this conversation as we talk about financial being for all and the work of the foundation. I love that. That's fantastic. So bird seed donut. Gigi, do you want to tell us a little bit about you, kind of like how'd you end up in credit unions and then a little about the foundation and kind of its purpose when it comes to this whole credit union movement? Sure. So I really grew up in credit unions. I laugh that um, I have DNA. My, my DNA is made up of credit unions. So both of my folks were credit union attorneys. And so I grew up listening to credit union stories around the dinner table. Swore as a small child that I would never be involved with credit <laughs> unions or be an attorney. And you can see how that turned out. 
Um, so my you know career just started out as an attorney and then worked for CUNA and did work for um, a large credit union up in New York and then had the privilege of being appointed to the National Credit Union Administration Board, the federal regulator for credit unions, and then um, came here to the foundation and have been here almost 10 years in August. So it's been a great, great journey and credit union movement has lots of dear friends, lifelong friends in the movement. So it's really been a fabulous career. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So foundation, mm -hmm. what does it do? Why do we have a national credit union foundation? How does it tie into the big picture of everything? So. Sure. Yeah. So the National Credit Union Foundation is an affiliate of CUNA, the Credit Union National Association, which, as you know, is one of the major trade associations for credit unions. And it was founded um, way back when, um, uh, almost uh, 40 years ago, really to um, help credit unions during disaster. So one of our main things that we do is help credit union employees and volunteers get back on their feet when disaster strikes. Uh, so they can go and open up the credit union and serve members who are equally affected by disaster. And over time, um, our mission really has shifted to a lot of um, community development in the context of really reinforcing what credit unions do so well in terms of people helping people. So one of our signature programs is our development education program, which helps credit union professionals really tap into their why and how their why connects to credit unions and the credit union mission. And then um, in addition to disaster relief and a and understanding your why, this idea of financial well-being for all, which is really a re a modern restatement of people helping people, which credit unions really understand. But as you know from listening to radio or you know listening to podcasts, the term people helping people is really used almost by every industry now. And it, it's a little um, dissipated, I would say, in its meaning. And so as we think about financial well-being for all, it's really thinking about how do credit unions double down on what they are so good at, which is taking someone wherever they are in their financial journey and helping them to achieve their financial dreams. So that's the work that we do, those three areas of work. And it's uh, unique and different from other entities within the credit union system. We work very closely with our league, State Credit Union Foundation partners. Um, but at the national level, we have the ability to innovate, to do grants that are testing things that our state league partners can use. So it's really, it's a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful place to be. We also have uh, would be remiss if I didn't mention that we also have the privilege of honoring those who are modern-day credit union pioneers. So we host the Herb Wagner Memorial um, Awards Dinner every February in conjunction with CUNA's big governmental affairs conference. And that's like a huge family reunion and celebration, the Academy Awards for credit unions. And it's really an honor to be able to host that and celebrate. I got to attend that this year for the first, well, I got to attend it virtually one year and for the first time in person. And I'm I think the podcast listeners know, like, I'm a crier, and oh my gosh, I think I sobbed through the whole thing because <laughs> I'm just so proud of what we do, and it's amazing to watch these people who are like, oh my gosh, yeah, other people do have this passion, you know, when you feel so passionately. It was amazing, so. I wanted to go back to, you didn't want to be part of credit unions growing up, you didn't want to be, you didn't want to be a lawyer. What did you want to do growing up? What were... So the first, well, so you know that I'm I'm very affectionate towards birds. I'm a birder. So the first thing was to try to be a biologist, but chemistry just killed me. <laughs> I just wow. could I couldn't get through chemistry. Um, so uh, that's I relegated that to a hobby. And then I just you know you you think about strengths finders. You think about Myers Briggs. You think about your strengths that you have and. 
um, the strengths I have, the strength I have really is connecting with individual people and trying to bring out the best in them and then hooking them together to do something bigger. Um, so that's wound up being the work that I do, not only through lawyering, but also through the advocacy work and through the, the philanthropic work that we do now. So do you have a fun bird fact you would like to share with everyone? A fun bird fact? Uh, sure. Yeah. So most people don't realize. So uh, let me back up. Migration happens twice a year. And you have all of these birds that, um, you know, spend the winter in lovely Central and South America, nice and warm. And then they decide in uh, late April to migrate up to North America and to Canada to breed. And most people don't realize that birds migrate at night and they do so together. So it's not just all of the, the little warblers migrating or, you know, the little owls migrating. They all migrate all together. So you've got these flocks of birds that are all these mashup of all these different birds migrating probably between about 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. every night as they work their way north um, in April and then work their way south back in late September and October. Wow. Did you know that? You know, no. Like everything. How would I have known that? Because you know, like, you know why the outlets are upside down. <laughs> the time I had that question. Oh, <laughs> that does remind me of credit unions, though, is that different flocks moving in the same direction, yeah, sometimes in it. dark. Yeah. You got it. That's good. Sometimes in darkness? What? Financial well-being's not always, you know. It's not easy. Rosy. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. not always okay. easy. And sometimes we're there for our members in their darkest times. Yep. Very nice. That's yeah. me trying to relate. That no, it was good. Well, and that's, you know, we did a little episode kind of focused on how do you be financially well, you know, yourself. And so we talked about that, though. But financial wellness is, you know, everyone's at a different spot, right? So even if you are starting in the dark, that's okay, right? Because you're starting, you're successful in that moment. And so it was a good, that was a good tie-in. It's very true. How about... uh credit union stories that go above and beyond in your experience in your time what are some of those things over the years that you're like i can't like this is amazing i can't believe i'm part of this see some obvious you know obviously anytime i think about different disasters where credit unions have come together and just done incredible things those always are top uh, top of mind because you 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 just don't know when disaster is going to happen you don't know how bad it's going to be and when people really rally to get back on their feet and help others, that there's just something very powerful of that and really really reaffirming of who we are as a credit union system. So I think about Hurricanes Katrina and Rita that you know devastated, obviously, um, the Gulf Coast and Louisiana and how credit unions pulled together to make sure that people had access to cash as they had to be relocated to Houston and other parts of the country. That was incredible. I think about the... Um, the wildfires um, in Santa Rosa and what Redwood Credit Union did, Brett Martinez, what he did to pull together that community and raise millions of dollars to be able to help that community get back on its feet after really devastating wildfires. And then, you know, aside from that, I think of the I think of many of our of our Herb Wegner Memorial Awards winners who day by day do the work they do without expectation of accolades, without expectation of any recognition, 
and have been so incredibly impactful on making a difference in individual and families' lives. So I think of um, Clarence Hall um, from Mississippi, who was a huge activist in the civil rights movement and has um, had a credit union about the size of the table we happen to be sitting around, a tiny, tiny, tiny little credit union that was really geared to African-American farmers in Mississippi, those who were completely shut out of the banking system. And a credit union created essentially to provide economic opportunity for a very, very disadvantaged community and the the impact that he had with that, with helping individual farmers and then that ripple effect of families being able to own land and to be able to grow and pass along generational wealth. Things that, um, you know, sometimes we assume just happen and that don't happen everywhere. Um, I think of Linda Bodie. Our most recent, um, one of our most recent uh, awardees, um, you know, lesbian woman in West Virginia who is bound and determined to have her credit union be as inclusive as it possibly can and to meet people, all people, where they are in life and to help them along their financial journey. And just that um, huge, you know, spirit of, of love and acceptance and inclusion it is amazing. And again, done, done because it's the right thing to do and because that's, that's, her mission, and that's the credit union's mission, and um, so those those stories, and you know, I could go on and on and on. There's so many of those stories of people who you know never receive an award, but credit union people who just deeply believe in everybody should have a fair shot at financial freedom, and that credit unions really are the best mechanism to allow that to happen. It's just so good. Do you want to like? You, you can getting, start like, crying. No, I know. I'm like, I'm like tearing up. Oh my gosh. Steve will definitely put that in the video um, if I do cry. But I think that, you know, I don't know that we've talked about it on the podcast and it's kind of an off the cuff thing, but, you know, we've seen a lot happen in the financial world right now. It's been big talk, you know, our banks, credit unions, is everything safe? And I think you just gave us a beautiful picture of credit unions being, you know, built for those hard times, you know, so you can trust that we're safe. You can trust that, you know, we're there to help. So I think that's just a really cool, really cool picture. And and you see that, you know, for those of listeners who are numbers oriented or business oriented, it's not just sort of a kumbaya moment. It's a, you see that in the financials of credit unions. So when times are really good, you know, credit unions build capital and they uh, they grow. And then when times are really bad, they use that capital to help their members thrive. And so you see this sort of up and down in capital of credit unions, and you can almost tie it directly to an economic cycle because credit unions understand that when times are bad, they need to be there for members and they need to leverage that capital to help people in need. So you really see that in the numbers in addition to the actual actions that credit unions are taking. In your experience, you're surrounded by credit union people. Do you still run into people who don't know the difference between like original financial institutions and, and credit unions? Oh, all the time. I, don't, I mean, don't we all, I would say? I mean, you know, you talk to family members and they're like, what do you do again? Don't you work for a bank? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Absolutely. No. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think run into that all the time. I mean, I'll give you a great example. I have a lovely lady. She's uh, from Vietnam. Originally, her dream was to have her own nail salon and spa. Um, and she made that happen, and she has that now. But she is, as a small business owner, really wrestling with, you know, how do I how do I make my money work for me? How do I make sure that I'm getting the best rate when I go to get a new car, or do whatever? And 
um, I just talked to her a few days ago. And I said, you know, have you thought about, Annie, have you thought about credit unions? Have you thought that you can belong to a credit union? She goes, no, I don't know anything about them. And so we had, you know, I was getting my nails done. We had a whole conversation about what's a credit union versus what's a bank and why should you look in it? How can you join? And so, so many people, I don't think, think of it as I can't be a member or, um, you know, it's it's not for me. So, and that's, as you know, that's really what the Your Money Further um, uh, or open what used to be known as open your eyes is all about is helping sort of break down those myths that people have of why they can't join a credit union or why they wouldn't want to join a credit union and um, saying yeah you can and explore it go go look that's really awesome when I was on my um, flight this year to CUNA GAC I was sitting next to this lovely woman flying out of Minneapolis and she's like oh you know what are you traveling for we're making small talk I said oh I'm headed down to Washington DC I'm you know I work for Royal Credit Union and she goes oh I'm a credit union member I said that's fantastic and you know we had a really good conversation because she was like wait what are you doing in DC for credit unions and so I talked about how we're all coming together we're you know advocating on behalf of her you know as a member and it was just a really cool conversation to see her eyes kind of light up and be like, oh, okay, being a member is special. Like that has a lot of benefits. So I love, I love that you are having that conversation at the nail salon. Those one-offs are just, they're, they're amazing. They're impactful. I was thinking about members who might be listening and thinking about the National Credit Union Foundation and trying to imagine if I was a listener and I was less familiar with it all, like what would be some tangible results of the foundation's impact on credit unions? So like what's in it for me as a member type sure. of conversation, I guess. That's a great question. Um, so, you know, first of all, at the National Credit Union Foundation, we don't deal directly with members. So we don't deal directly with consumers. So there, there's not a direct correlation necessarily. Um, there's more of an indirect correlation. And that is um, things like, as a foundation, we do grants. Um, Royal Credit Union was a recipient of a grant that we did that um, was designed to measure the impact of Royal's amazing financial wellness program with incarcerated individuals to try to help them understand their finances so that when they were released from incarceration, they could essentially create a, a, a financial life that would support them in, in their new life. And testing that impact of that program, measuring it, quantifying it, ultimately helps consumers. It certainly helps those who were previously incarcerated to have a better life financially. But it also helps, I think, reinforce to consumers or members of, of Royal and other credit unions, what how do credit unions use their philanthropy and their resources in order to better the community, which ultimately benefits everybody in the community? Um, so even though a member might not have a direct impact from that particular grant or that particular program, a royal, the community benefits by having people who are financially healthy, you know, walking the streets and, and being uh, participants, active participants and really useful participants in the community. Absolutely. So I think the takeaway is that it's at a higher level, really, than the individual interaction with the member even. These are initiatives and efforts that are have a broader impact and are gathering momentum across the industry even, not at in, any one single credit union sometimes, but I think there's a huge like in, in impact or uh, people could still feel the effects of the programming well beyond the initial outreach from the foundation to the credit unions, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And I think... Um What's really cool about our system is that at the national level, we're able to to work um, to try these sort of innovative grants and things, and then we work really closely with our our state 
partners who also have foundations um, that can then either replicate that or can bring that to greater scale within their local state or their local region, which has a huge impact on consumers because then you have more credit unions doing that good thing that we know is proven, has been proven at the national level, and then replicating that. So it really does have that ripple effect throughout throughout the nation and ultimately affects consumers. So we talk about financial well-being, and but why is financial well-being? Why is this topic part of the credit union movement? You know, where where did this come from? Why did the foundation get behind it? And where do you see it going? I'll take us all the way back to um, the Great Recession, um, you know, 2008, 2012-ish. And in 2013, the Federal Reserve started doing a survey of household economics and decision-making. Um, I love the acronym. The acronym is the SHED report. So behind the woodshed, the SHED report. And the SHED report um, was designed to see how are consumers, how are Americans, you know, people living in this country, doing with their finances after the Great Recession. And in the 2014 report, which was the first report they issued, they showed that about 50% of us couldn't come up with $400 in the case of an emergency. And by now, that that $400 figure is almost, um, it's gone viral, shall we say. And I read that report, and I, I just sort of did a double take. I said, well, is that, you know, who, who are those people? Who are that, are those credit union members? Are they, who are they? And so that piqued our curiosity at the foundation to then kind of test and see what does that what does that mean? And so we worked with a group called the Financial Health Network out of Chicago that does uh, measurement, does surveys of folks to see what their financial health is like. And we did a survey in 2016 um, with large credit unions across the nation. We had about 28,000 members and employees respond. And sure enough, the statistics were exactly the same. So it wasn't just kind of those people over there, it, it was it was credit union members, it's credit union employees. And so that really set us on a journey to think about um, if we're all about people helping people, what does that mean after this great recession? What does that mean going forward? And what it really means is that we exist to really help people achieve the financial life that they want to achieve. They want, We want them to sleep at night and not have to worry if they're going to be able to buy the groceries or pay the electricity bill. We want to make sure that if they have a dream to send their kids to college, they can. Whatever their dream, or buy a motorcycle, whatever their dream is, that they can achieve that in a way that sustains financial wellness. And so that really started us on this journey of talking to credit unions, of bringing system partners together, bringing credit unions together, and really looking to see what credit unions are doing. And I think What's different about this from maybe other efforts that have happened in the credit union system is this is very data-driven. So I go back to this. It, it feels right because it's part of credit union's DNA. This is what we've done throughout history. But it also, it also can be very quantifiable with the amazing technology we have these days. We're really able to see into a member's financial life, not in a creepy way, but in a what's a member really doing with his or her or their finances and is that supporting his or her or their financial well-being? And how do we move forward with that? And what I'll say about history is if we go all the way back to the first credit union in the United States, St. Mary's Bank, it was really formed because you had all of these French-Canadian immigrants that were working in the mills in Manchester, New Hampshire, and they couldn't get credit other than from a loan shark who would stand outside the mill and wait on a Friday and say, I know you can't pay your rent and I'll loan you two to three to four dollars at an exorbitant rate and you'll have to pay it back next week when you get your next paycheck. And there was no 
um, there was no out of that circle. And so as a result, St. Mary's Bank was formed by the Catholic parish there. The priest was like, I'm really tired of my parishioners coming to me and saying I can't get ahead in life. And the credit union was formed to meet that need to improve the financial health and well-being of that particular field of membership, those parishioners. And it is no different now, you know, 100 plus years later. It's the same need. Um, it's just we've got technology, we've got you know AI, we've got a whole bunch of things that we can apply to help people really achieve whatever their financial dreams are. So that's why we're into it. It was really a, the curiosity of really fifty percent of us can't come up with four hundred dollars. That's really what sparked this journey and this work that the credit that the foundation is doing. Yeah, and and pushing credit unions to do. <laughs> yeah. I love that. We um, at the convention, they just had a really good speaker about kind of data analytics and how can we actually use that to leverage, you know, what we're doing. It was really interesting to see, you know, how can we look at those outgoing deposits or where members are making payments? Well, if they're always making payments to, you know, all these other credit card companies, is it because they have the debt? Can we help them refinance or can we offer those smaller dollar loans to, you know, help break down those interest costs that they have. And so it's really interesting to see how you can use that to ultimately achieve that credit union mission. So it, it's interesting because it's a pairing, I think, of what you can see in your own data. And then it's also, and this sounds so ridiculously simple, but it's also asking the members, you know, what do they want? What worries them? What keeps them up at night? Where do they want to see their finances go? And how can how can we help them be on that road? Obviously, they have to commit to that, and that's that's sometimes the, the hardest thing. But um, you know, it also when you ask, it's amazing how people become more accountable because they they identify the monster, quote unquote, under the bed, and and then they want to do something about it. I mean, that's the perfect "what's in it for me" takeaway right there. Right? Yeah, like it's a two way street. You, you got to be invested too, and then you know, once you bring that to your credit union, credit union like Royal, you're in, you could you know really benefit from it. So I like it. Well, that's where we have um, Royal has them. Most credit unions do now have those certified credit union financial counselors, and that's what they're there for. They're there to come in, tell us where you want to be. Let's get there together. So it's stop into your credit union. That's my yeah. I think I think the other away. piece of it is that you know, uh, and Royal does this so well. Um, you do it with dignity because we, you know, I, I think of my um, my grandmother who was from Puerto Rico, and she's very Catholic, very proper, and she always would tell me, you know, you never talk about politics, sex, or religion. You you never in in in, in polite company. And what she never added was money. You never talk about money either because money is, for most people, incredibly shameful to talk about. And so to be able to have that conversation of, oh, have I gotten myself into trouble with credit card debt? Or I did get a payday loan. Now I don't know how to get out of it. Or I just I just don't know. I have a dream, but I just don't know. And I don't even know the questions to ask because money's really hard. Um, you know, Royal does a great job and so many credit unions do a great job of just making it simple and also bringing dignity to the conversation without making people feel like they're judged or that they should be ashamed of not knowing or making the wrong decision. And I think that's a huge piece of it because who wants to talk about something if you're going to be like, how could you do that? You, right. idiot? you know, <laughs> that's not a good way to start a conversation. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. It goes back to the people helping people philosophy. You know, I share on the podcast a lot, like my financial mistakes, like as, you know, team members, as employees, we've been there too. You know, like I'm still paying off credit card debt that I got in college that wasn't a smart choice, but okay, I've been there. Let's work on it together. I feel you, you know? So it's just, 
I don't know. It's that people, people connection thing. And we, and we all have, I think, yeah. you know, we, oftentimes we think, oh, well, you know, she or he or they never had that problem. I mean, no, we all, I mean, again, I'll use myself as an example. I'm at a place in my life where, yeah, I'm financially secure, but I also have an aging parent. And if that aging parent needs care, you know how expensive care is. I haven't planned for that. What what would that even look like? So that's like a brand, that's almost like how would I get a car loan? But yeah. now it's a whole different question at where I am in my stage of life. And we all face that over and over and over again. And having a trusted financial partner like a credit union to come to and say, I don't even know where to start. Can you help me? You know, help me think it through. That's that's what it's all about. That's a really good example. And probably something not a lot of people are thinking about. So I hope we spark something there. What are some of the favorite things that you see credit unions doing to help financial well-being? Lots of certified financial coaches and counselors on staff in all departments, not just member-facing, which maybe seems not a little bit counterintuitive. So having even somebody from IT, having somebody from the CFO's office, having people understand what the money issues are and also paired with the empathy of understanding where a person is in their financial life without judgment. I think that's huge. Uh, almost all the credit unions I can think of that have really made a lot of progress in measuring and documenting financial well-being for all have a lot of coaches and counselors on the, on the team. That's really helped that lens because you have more of the team now who, who understands that the North Star here is to get people financially healthy. That's one thing. Um, I think the second thing is starting with measuring your own membership and your own employees, actually getting a baseline. So if you think about, you know, baseline, um, you know, BMI or blood pressure or cholesterol, it's really that. It's getting that baseline of where are you right now? Who are your members? Who's your demographics? How has that changed? Where are they now? And what's their financial health? What are they really wrestling with? And it probably isn't what you think it is. You know, it normally isn't. It's something different. And what that means is opportunity for the credit union, opportunity to grow in that demographic and with that particular financial health challenge with probably a product that already exists, but nobody, none of your members know that that product is intended to solve that problem. So I think those are, those are a couple of the things that I see. And it, it sounds so simple, but it's kind of stepping back and really figuring out where members are right now and then being responsive to that. And then rinse and repeat. Do that regularly. Do that once a year, either through surveys and or looking at your transactional data and seeing how are we doing? Are we making progress or are we not? And so that sort of constant measurement, um, like you would with BMI or cholesterol or blood pressure, to, you know, am I making progress or am I not? And if I'm not making progress, how do I analyze that to see what might not be working? Do we want to talk about where we think credit unions are going? I'm picturing a credit union founded for apple fritters. We did come up with a... Oh, we did. Steve and I are going to... Are you talking about our fritter business? Yes. Did you only want to do that because it has a cool name? Yes. What was it? Frickin' Fritters. Oh, yeah. Oh, frickin' Fritters. <laughs> Very nice. Right? It'd be fun. Love the alliteration. And, yeah. like, it would, the poster would be, because there has to be a poster, you're, like, happy with a fritter and I'm grumpy. Like, I love it. But it doesn't really make sense for a business. But maybe it's okay, a, it but might. It might. It might. I like it. And then the people who work for our fritter company, we could have a credit union for them. And then, you know, as we evolve and expand membership, that poster could be like before they join the credit union and after. <laughs> credit unions are the Apple fritter of finance. And that's a good thing. 
oh. artisanal, the artisanal apple fritter of finance. I, yes. <laughs> I've been waiting like however long we've been doing this. That's fabulous. Connect that. Yes. Apple fritter of finance. Oh. I'm not really sure that's where credit units are going, <laughs> but I'll try. I'll try to. It's a good thought. Um, yeah, I think this is really an inflection point for credit unions. There is so much going on in the financial services world, and it's becoming more complex with the addition of technology and certainly a little pandemic thrown in there and AI and chat GPT. I think this is an opportunity for credit unions to embrace who they are and what their mission is and what their DNA says they do really, really well and to triple down on that and to leverage the heck out of technology to do it, but to not, we're still in a human service business and not to lose the sight of that, that people still need the help with where do I go and how do I do this with my finances? And credit unions are the best solution for that. It's not going back to basics necessarily. It's sort of amping up those basics in the in the year we are and, uh, and moving forward with that and being I always get a little peeved, um, and I'm being diplomatic here, a little peeved when I hear credit unions compare themselves to banks because, uh, you know, it, they're just not the same beasties. <laughs> they're just not. It's a completely different organization, completely different entity. Yes, they serve the commodity of banking, but it's as different as an apple fritter is from a donut. So um, credit unions really need to embrace who they are. As in that model and 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 run with it and be unabashedly proud of it. Why do you think they do compare themselves to banks, though? I think it's others because it's really simple to do. You know, if you're a really um, stressed out legislator or you're a stressed out um, sometimes regulator, um, it's just easy because, you know, the banks are big. The metrics are right there and it feels very easy. There's a system there. So it takes more time to really understand this is a, a cooperative um, financial services provider that was chartered specifically in the Great Depression at the federal level because banks weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And that mission hasn't changed. And it, the, the charter is different for a reason. And therefore, um, how we do what we do is different for a reason. And the, the reason we have a tax exemption is because of how who we are and what we do. So it's, that, it's not forgetting that. So I, I always want to tap into history because that history grounds us in what we can do running fast and furious towards the future. Um, it's not meant to hold us back and stay fuddy-duddy or to stay stale or be looking back at history going like, that, those were the good old days. On the contrary, that grounds us in our purpose, and that purpose is more important now than it ever has been. I feel like we can't follow that. with Mike Dropper. Like, that was just, we're done. We got we to gotta go home. We got to go home. Listen. We must have a donut now. Right, yeah. Now we'll have a donut. Steve, are you going to ask me my favorite question? Cooper. Steve. If people like money donuts, what should they do? They should give us a five-star rating on whatever platform they can rate us on and look at the YouTube channel to watch the videos because they're fun. See my beautiful face. To yes. see your face. Yep. And then subscribe wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. So that way you get notified when we have episodes like this. And thank you so much. It's been such a joy to spend some time yes. with you. Thank, yeah. you. thank you. Yes. Thank you for coming.